0: Thanks for listening to Emmaus Footnotes. This podcast offers uncomplicated guidance for following Jesus. For the final episode in our Approaching Freedom series, Rob Elisher shares his reflections on the tomb.
1: Thanks for having me, Melissa. The tomb. We aren't told much about the goings-on between the crucifixion and Sunday morning. There is no narrative between Christ being laid in the tomb and the resurrection story, besides the Jewish leaders seeking to secure the tomb with Roman guards. There's silence. But the silence, I think, is telling. In John's gospel, there is even less about the tomb or the events surrounding it. His point, uh, I think, it's that there doesn't seem to be much to tell. The world is cut off from the source of speech and meaning. I think he's taking us back to the first chapter of John, which does not explicitly speak about the man Jesus, but of the eternal word or logos of God, that is God himself. God speaks from all eternity, that word that is God and which brings all things into being. This is not referring to the scriptures, at least not directly, but to the ground of all being, that by virtue of which the world makes any sense at all. That's who we're talking about when we speak of the word of God, first and foremost. In the beginning, the spirit hovered over the face of the waters in Genesis 1. And into that primordial chaos, God speaks. In that one speech utterance, all things, life, order, intelligibility, issue forth. Then after the creative work of God's word, God rested. It was all very good, worth celebrating and delighting in but humankind misused their divine gift of rational choice to distort the world's orderliness by placing themselves at the center. It got so bad that at the time of Noah, God nearly cast the world back into nothingness, back into the primordial flood. But he chose instead a different path out of love for his creatures, namely, recreation. In the beginning, God finished his work by his word in six days. In the decisive work of recreation, Christ finishes his work in 33 years three plus three on the seventh day God rested at 3 p.m. on the sixth day of the week before Christ rested in the tomb in the finality of death he yelled out it is finished when Jesus breathed his last he spoke no more the word of God lets himself be silenced and buried in a tomb He lets himself be threatened by the same chaos waters that in the beginning he set in place and separated from the dry land. But there was no stopping the re-emergence of the word. Of course. The elites tried to put their henchmen on it to make the entrance of the tomb secure as they could, but that wasn't stopping him. He burst forth in one final, decisive speech act on the first day of the week, known as the Resurrection. Uh, not in the same endless and hopeless cycle of seven, but on the eighth day of creation, which the fathers speak about. It's the first day of the rest of history. On this speech act, all authentic future words depend. All our words too. Even when darkness threatens to engulf us, or especially in that darkness, we can learn to speak again in his name. Sometimes silence speaks louder than words, In fact, we may go so far as to say that silence and speech, or genuine sound, are two sides of the same coin. Both are to be contrasted with noise. I'm quoting theologian Nicholas Lash, who says, Speech and song are for communication, for sharing, for building up in the spirit. Noise, on the other hand, is egotistical. Close quote. Think of the unity brought about by the harmony of worshipful singing. Noise is egotistical, by contrast. We make a noise in order to keep people quiet. I say, um, um, when I want to say something, so that my wife doesn't get a chance to speak. I don't have anything to say. Contrary to a common opinion, silence is not violence. Noise is violence. It's our attempt to forcibly drown out the very real darkness in our world around us. There's lots of noise in our world today. Lots of babble. Because it's much more satisfying to build a tower than to say, not my will, but thy will be done. All genuine speech is in response to the primordial word of God. The word God utters in Christ can be summed up as life. Christ says, I've come to bring life. But this word, this sound is spoken on the other side of a deafening silence, the tomb. The clearest word that Christ ever spoke was after having been silenced by the world that he created. God's rescue mission after the fall was always recreation, that was always his intention, but not as it was before, not to restore the world to the pristine orderliness of the garden. The world is messy. Christ's response to the mess was not to ignore it or to start from scratch, because wouldn't that simply deteriorate back into the mess? It was not to conquer it by force. Rather, God's response was to become the victim of the world's fallenness, to enter into solidarity with the victims of sheer force and noise, and put on full display their ultimate powerlessness. Silence is a lost art, but sometimes the way to true speech is through silence, as the tomb demonstrates. There's going to come a time when the church we're familiar with will have to speak truth despite being silenced. I know this because this has been the burden of the church throughout history. And the truth might ring out all the more clearly because of this. In the meantime, we ought to be silent for the sake of attentiveness. And we can do this in two very practical ways. First, make small sacrifices to cut away the busyness. Second, practice silence before the word of God, the written and spoken word. This is the condition for authentic speech. Without a silence before the mystery of God, our speech will just come off as babble and get drowned out by a cacophony of voices vying for domination. A commitment to worshipful silence, by contrast, will enable us to speak resurrection life into this dying world.
0: I hope you will take some time today to embrace Rob's encouragement for silence. Thank you for listening to our final episode of Approaching Freedom. We intentionally did not create an episode for Easter because the culmination of Holy Week is gathering on Easter Sunday to celebrate the resurrection with your community. At Emmaus, our gatherings are at 9 and 11, with the 9 a.m. also available online. We'll see you tomorrow.